So today I want to talk about children. I want to talk about the fertile soil of children. Um, Colossians 3, 18 and following says this, uh, talks about Christian households. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is your acceptable duty in the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children or they may lose heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I want to look a little bit at a family's role in the life of a child um, and a child's role in the life of the family and then what we are to teach our children and what children teach us. And when we get to the what children teach us, I'm going to kind of open that up to the floor so you can kind of respond to that. So be thinking about what children teach us. Families. The whole role of a family with children is provide safe environment, right? Um, nurture, protect, provide structure, discipline, all this instruction along the way. Help them to learn, help them to explore, help them to discover, to celebrate life, to have fun, to play. Um, I remember sitting with our kindergarten teacher with my son and she was saying, okay, your son needs to read this much time every day, he needs to work on math this much time every day. And I said, well, how much time is he supposed to climb trees and stuff and play and be out with friends? And she said, oh, that's important too. And I'm like, uh-huh, it's very important. So that's part of what it means to be a child. Surround them with, and you, this is gonna sound familiar, surround them with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Remember I talked about that when I talked about families in general, that we're supposed to provide this umbrella of the fruit of the Spirit, and they're supposed to experience that because the Spirit of God is present in our home, right? So I think for me, and I, I remember the series that I did, Who Stole My Fruit, we just have to remember that sometimes we're not experiencing that and then we got to get back to the spirit and allow the spirit to take control and to uh, envelop us and to surround us and infill us. So that just means we need to surround our families and our kids with the spirit of God and God's presence. Pray for them and love them. So what's a child's role in this mix? Well, I just read it, Colossians 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is your acceptable duty in the Lord. Do I hear an amen? amen. Yes. Um, this echoes from Ephesians 6.1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And the fifth commandment, right? Honor your father and your mother, so that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Therefore, a child's role is to obey right? And honor, right? Now remember, how old is a child? Up until 13, 12 or 13, 12 for girls, 13 for boys, according to the Jewish tradition, right? So up until that point, I also think it's important that in Ephesians, Paul makes that distinction, obey your parents in the Lord. Because if your parents are not in the Lord, if they're doing things that are outside the Lord's will, it's okay to say, I'm not going to obey that. I'm not going to do that because that's wrong. So, um, what else? What else is a child's role? To learn, to grow, 
to discover, to celebrate life. I just kind of talked about that as that's what the family was supposed to provide opportunity for. That's what a child is supposed to do. Um, too many of us want our kids to grow up too fast. I was kind of that way. I used to look at my son and go, he's so weird, he's so spastic, what's going on? And then I'd take him and stand in line with him at school and all the other kids were acting the same way and I was like, oh, he's acting like an eight-year-old. Okay, it's okay. So let your kids be kids, let their, your children be children. Let them grow at their own pace. Um, let them become who they are and who God has created them to be. And they'll be great, they'll be fine. Um, what are we supposed to teach our children? Um, as I mentioned earlier, it's kind of funny we use teach your children well. I just thought, you know, sometimes we gotta use something that sparks that thought. So what does it mean to teach our children well? Well, according to Deuteronomy 6, we're to teach them the commandments. Let me get to that real quick here. What uh, Tom read earlier, teach and observe the commandments in the land that you're about to occupy so that you and your children and your children's children may what? Fear the Lord. Teach them to fear the Lord. Um, then it goes on to say, keep these words I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children. How often do we recite scripture to our children? Talk about them when you are at home. How often do we talk about scripture when we're at home? When you are away, how often do you talk about scripture when you're out on the road? When you lie down and when you rise up, a lot of us are pretty good at when we lie down. Okay, we're gonna do our bedtime prayers, right? But to do it, it's basically the author of Deuteronomy is saying, okay, we need to be talking about scriptures all the time. Um, so we teach them the word of God. That's our primary role as parents, um, to teach the word of God. Keep these words that I'm commanding you in your heart and recite them to your children. Uh, as I was preparing for this sermon, I read Alfred Edersheim. Uh, he is a 19th century theologian. He was born in Vienna. He was to Jewish parents, and then he became a Christian. And so he has this fascinating way of weaving in the culture and the doctrine of the Jewish faith into what was happening in the, life of, um, in the lifetime of Christ. And he talks about the biblical education of children and what was happening in Jewish families during the time of Jesus and how important that was. It was it was reliant on the parents, the family. They were the ones that were teaching, and primarily the dad. And I kind of think that's important. All the dads are like, what, who, what, who? Wait, what? <laughs> uh, in the Jewish home, it was the dad who did the teaching. Not always, but that was the expectation. Um, do I hear an amen from the moms out there? <laughs> They're all quiet. I'm not going to mess with this one. Um, now, it's not always this way. Remember, we, uh, Paul talked about Timothy. He wrote a letter to Timothy, and he said, I appreciate the fact that your mother and your grandmother raised you up well. So we know that it wasn't always that way. But Edersheim points out um, that much of this is done by memorization. Remember, reciting, teaching your children to memorize Scripture. That's what we do in our, um, in our Sunday school classes in explanation, talking about what scripture means and what it says. Um, I love doing that with my kids when we would go out and look at nature and we'd start talking about God and nature and creation. In traditions, 
We know that the Jewish people love their traditions, right? Tradition, tradition. But that's rituals that they would do together. And then memorialization, by that I mean symbols um, that they would use. So uh, Paul, or I'm sorry, Tom kind of read this in his prayer. How can a, the young keep their way pure? Um, that's from Psalm 119. How can the young keep their way pure? By guarding it according to God's word. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So that recitation, the memorization hides God's word in our hearts. And it doesn't go away, even though we may walk away from the church at some point. That scripture takes root. It's like you're planting seeds in the fertile soil of childhood, and they, those seeds will grow um, later in life. Uh, Edersheim talks a lot about the importance of the festivals. And many years ago, I did a series on the Jewish festivals, and I had so much fun doing that, and how they kind of illustrated Jesus' coming and um, Jesus' life. Those festivals were so important in the life of Jewish faith because they taught faith. And children played a large role in those festivals. Um, in Chanukah is the Feast of Dedication. They light candles and illuminate the house. And there's a candle for every single individual in the house. So even the children get a candle and that represents their light in the world. Um, the Feast of Tabernacles, I love this one. In the Feast of Tabernacles, the youngest child has to sleep outside in the tent. Isn't that funny? I don't want to go out there alone. The youngest one's probably the most scared to do it. Um, so, and then in Passover, the youngest child is the one that asks the questions. Uh, why do we have unleavened bread? Why do we have the bitter herbs? Why do we celebrate in this way? So um, that's why we do things in the Christian church the Christmas pageant, every year it's the same thing. People dress up in those same crowns and wigs and wings and all those things, but those are teaching kids the Christmas story. We celebrate Easter, we celebrate Palm Sunday with our um, palm branches and things like that. It's just those traditions that teach children well, uh, and that's why we do that. And then the idea of memorialization. Um, those sacred symbols that we keep. In the Jewish faith, they have the mezuzah. How many of you know what that is? How many of you have Jewish friends? Good. Okay, so if you have Jewish friends and you've gone to um, their homes, what do they have on the, the doorpost? It's a little piece of metal. Um, and I have one in my office, I meant to grab it. Um, but it's a, it's a little container and inside of it is a scroll that has two passages. Um, one that we just read this morning, the Shema, the Hero Israel, and the other from uh, Deuteronomy, I think, 11. And it's called the Mesusa. And literally, every time they walk by, they touch that, and then they kiss their finger. They're, they're supposed to. And imagine, as you're carrying your child into the house from the hospital, and, you, and the child sees that every single time. The Catholics doing this every single time. What symbols do we have that ritualize our faith, that kind of plant the seeds in that fertile soil and help that um, faith to grow? So be thinking about that because I feel like we've stepped away from some of that. Oh, it's become, you know, too ritualized and everything like that. And we've lost some of that. Um, 
The Jewish people have a masusa on their doorposts. We have a family Bible on the coffee table collecting dust. Um, so think about ways that you can memorialize at home. I had two other kind of side notes in regard to teaching children well that are kind of just my own. One, delayed gratification. Parents, we need to teach that to our kids, that they don't get immediate gratification. I want it, and I want it now. Thank God um, the new little princess threw a little tantrum on the tarmac yesterday. It was on the news this morning. She was like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> I'm like, yay, even the royal kids throw tantrums every once in a while. They have everything they could possibly want, and they still throw tantrums. So kids will do that. So teaching them delayed gratification prepares them for life. And that's, what we're, that's our job, really, right? We're preparing kids for life. And the other thing is happiness is not our primary goal in life. Um, I know my mom is a teacher, uh, and I wasn't born yet. She was going to put my sister, my oldest sister, into kindergarten. She went to the school, and she said, she started talking to the um, principal, and the principal said, we just want our kids at the end of the year to leave here happy. And my mom said, I want my kid to leave here educated. I want you to teach my child things. I don't want, your job's not to make them happy. Happiness comes from other stuff. <laughs> um, so our goal is to teach kids the fear of the Lord, um, to teach them wisdom, to teach them God's word and to obey Christ's word to us. And in doing that, then we, we experience the blessed life, not frivolous happiness, but blessing, which is much deeper. So let me move on to what do we learn from kids? What do we learn from our children? And by that I mean ages zero to 12. Because Jesus said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Uh, and even the second half of the song we sing at the offertory, teach your children, uh, the second half is teach your parents well. So what can we learn from kids? I'm asking, I want responses. Yes? <laughs> teach our, ch our children teach us to shut up? Yes. Okay. Ah, <laughs> that's good. Okay, so sometimes um, our kids hear what we say and then they repeat it later, right? That was one of my favorite Dennis the Menace cartoons. Um, Joey, Dennis's friend, um, swore in this cartoon, you know how they have those, all the symbols to say that. And, and Dennis's dad says, Joey, where'd you, what, do you even know what that means? And Joey said, yeah, I think it means the car won't start. <laughs> so, so yeah, our kids will repeat stuff. Yes, good. My kids copy contradiction, my own contradiction. Okay. You should have gone into politics. Um, so teaching one thing and then teaching something else later. Yeah. To help be an, an executor. I don't, I'm not sure I understand that. Okay. 
Oh, okay. Okay, so. Okay, good. Okay. Good. To actualize yourself. Right. Good. Right. Oh my gosh, the dark ages. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay, so a lot of it is listening, right? Is what I'm hearing you say is that um, t children can teach us to listen. Um, hopefully, we listen. That's an important thing. Anybody else? Children now. get mad at their kids? Yeah. Um, good. Over here? To slow down. So your kids teach you to slow down? Because my kids were running 90 miles an hour. Or you're just trying to teach your kids to slow down? Okay. Okay, so appreciate the present and <laughs> good, good, okay. Right, yeah, yeah. Kids get distracted a little bit too, right? Or let Every day is a bright new day, good, I like that, okay. Couple more? Yeah. And so every child is different, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Good. Yeah. Laura. The joy is suffering little things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pure happiness. Yeah. 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 I mean, just go on YouTube sometime and press um, "Babies Laughing." And you'll see so many funny videos, like this one um, that my daughter showed me of mom is blowing her nose and the baby's like, ah! <laughs> it starts laughing. So 
Yeah, so part of that joyfulness that we can learn from kids. Yeah, one of the things I got was curiosity. Um, children can teach us curiosity instead of we get a little reserved as we get older. Playfulness, I don't know what happens that we stop wanting to have fun uh, and enjoying life, so to be playful. Uh, something that people have already said, but I'll say it again, unadul unadulterated honesty. And when I wrote that down in my notes, uh, it struck me that I used the word unadulterated because adult is in the word adulterated. And it means you're removing that adult filter and just being honest with people. Um, when, I, when I was back home and I was talking to my mom, she reminded me of this story when I was sitting with my grandmother one time and we were at a pretty large dinner table with friends. There's probably 15 people there. And I'm like quiet and all the adults are talking and all of a sudden I was like, rubbing my grandmother's hand and I said, Grandma, your skin is like lizard skin. <laughs> I, I just, I thought it was cool. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. She burst out laughing and told all her friends and I was embarrassed, but that was just honesty um, at that point. Um, and I think that's important for us to be honest with each other and, and not be hurtful, um, but to be honest. So recently we've been talking about becoming more and more an intercultural, intergenerational church. And that just doesn't mean that we have lots of different cultures and lots of different um, generations. It means that there's an appreciation for them. Um, there's a love and a kind of celebration in each different one. Uh, and as a church family, we should have all generations. I really struggle with the newer churches that are coming out, these what I call pop-up churches that are focused on one generation, um, because it doesn't really reflect the family of God. It doesn't reflect the whole kingdom of God. It's just one slice of it. Um, and I think it's important for us to have children around. Children are vital important. They're not just a nuisance. They're not just something to put up with. They're a part of the church family and we should celebrate them, we should love them. I loved my church in Berkeley when um, a kid was running through the sanctuary and one of the ushers grabbed him and said, hey, this is a church, you're supposed to walk and be reverent. And the, the senior pastor walked over to him and said, hey, he should enjoy life in church. Let him run. And that's me, you know? Some churches would have a complete heart attack at seeing their, their platform look like this. I think it's great because we're celebrating the children of the church. They're not the future of the church, they're the now. They're the present and that means that we're part of a church family. Um, and I thank God they're here. So let's support